0: chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com. no purchase necessary btw void prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus Let's go! this is the lombardi line with michael lombardi and patrick maher on v <laughs>
3: We begin our number two of the Lombardi line here at South Point Casino presented by BetMGM. Dave Ross alongside Michael Lombardi himself here in Las Vegas here for the NFL Draft. And, Michael, I got to imagine yeah. your phone probably hasn't stopped since you started your uh, – would it be a center descent here to Las Vegas? You know,
4: it's it's fun because I, the, the best part about being out of the league is people will call you for advice, and they know that you really don't have any bi- – one of the things that kills draft yeah. are biases, right? So I want my guy. I want my guy. Or people are pushing guys. There's an agenda. One thing I, one of the many things I learned from Al Davis is everybody has an agenda on what they really want, and and sometimes people on the outside don't have an agenda. They just say this is what I think, you know. And and that's really what what you need when you're running a draft because everybody in the room has an agenda. You know, they, this is what they kind of see as the problem. And there's very few people that really understand the team and understand the whole element of the draft. You know, one of the disconnects between pro football and the, the draft is most of the guys that run the draft don't watch enough pro football to understand what's playing in the league, you mm-hmm. know. And, like, you take Debo Samuel. Everybody thinks Debo Samuel's this incredible player, which he is, right? But for, if you're in the league and you understand the league, Debo Samuel's an inside receiver. When Debo has to line up on the outside, outside the numbers, and he's got to win against a legitimately top corner, one-on-one. And he's got to show quickness at the top of the route. He's got to break, break. – that's not his game. His game is motion, inside, run after the catch. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you got to – those are the nuances you need
3: to understand to learn in the league to then apply it to the draft. Let's talk about Debo. because, again, we get into these contracts and you get off those rookie deals and Devo wants a new deal. And he's made that perfectly clear to San Francisco and to Kyle Shanahan and to John Lynch – and everybody there and, you know, he's out and about now. You see him on social media and they're like, hey, come back to San Francisco. And he's like, not not going back. Like, you know, you well, they he- all aren't going back now.
4: But I, I think this is deeper than money, though. I, I've been reliably reported to me that this is more about lifestyle and living. Oh, that it's about California. It's about a kid from South Carolina that isn't in love with the California lifestyle mm-hmm. and all the things that come with it the traffic, the home, all the things that you kind of are part of. Sure. This isn't kind of his cup of tea. And sometimes, you know, that's just, you know, we never put the human element never. into the player. Never. Right? That even factors into the equation. Right. Like maybe he's got kids and he doesn't want his kids to go to school in Cal. I don't know. Right. Maybe, he, maybe he doesn't. I'm just making it up. But I do know the root of this problem is he's not in love with living in the Bay Area. And then let's layer in the fact that he's going to make 21, 22, 23 million a year, and he's going to get, you know, a lot of money guaranteed. He don't want to pay those taxes in California.
3: I don't blame him for that. Look, when you see the Christian Kirk deal and it feels like it kind of reset the market. And so guys like Debo went, wait a minute, you got to be kidding me. You're going to pay that kind of money to Christian Kirk. And I'm going to be sitting here still on this rookie deal. So he wants out of San Francisco. Is there a possibility, Michael, that these calls to John Lynch and I don't know how much I'm sure Kyle's got a, a huge say about it to run his offense. if, Debo's going to be there or not. Could this possibly get done in the next 24 hours? They're asking for two
4: number ones, okay? Now, they could trade him because he's under contract, so they don't need his permission to get a trade. Okay. Okay, so – but before a team is going to give up two number ones. So what, here's how this has got to work, okay? you, you're, You're Dallas. I called you up on the phone, and I say, look – it's going to take two number ones. You say, okay, I'll I'll give you two number ones. We exchange emails that you're going to pay me two number ones. Then I give you permission to talk to his agent. You work out a contract with the agent. Once you work that contract out, we'll consummate this deal. Okay. Okay, but until that contract gets worked out, those two number ones aren't really coming to me yet. So there's there's a lot of things that have to happen first. And nobody's going to give up two number ones and then wait and see what happens. Mm. Right? Like, this isn't going to be the Seventy Sixers give up all those, you know, do they... They, they want Harden to opt in. Do they really want him to opt in now? I mean, all those right. things are playing out, right? So this is a variable you want to
3: control. That's a fascinating point you made earlier, too, about inside receiver versus outside receiver for Debo Samuel and the way Kyle runs his offense out there at the Bay. So they utilize that offense. And again, I remember when Kyle was there with Mike, with his dad, when they drafted RG three and they brought in the Baylor offense to tailor, make it so that it was successful that rookie year. Right. So they could, they, they redesigned everything to make it work for RG three. It feels like in a way they've designed this offense so that you see the total yards of almost 1900, 1845 for Devo Samuel. They kind of tailor made it to his liking. Is Debo Samuel going to be the same guy in a different system? Great question.
4: I think it's a really fair question, and I think that's one of the things I think Debo's missing on. You're going to get paid, and then you're going to go somewhere, and if they don't use you the way Kyle did, the nuances of how Kyle motioned it. Because where, he catch, where he's most effective is where? Yards after the catch. Absolutely Right? So he's hard to tackle. He's not hard to cover. He's hard to tackle. A.J. Brown's not hard to cover. He's always covered. You know who else isn't hard to tackle? DeAndre Hopkins, hard to cover. DeAndre Hopkins is easy to cover. He just makes the play on the ball, right? He makes the play on the ball. He comes down with it. People are always around him. You've, have you ever seen Hopkins just flat out in front of it? No, of course not. He doesn't run well enough. He doesn't have great – but what he's great at doing is getting the ball when it's in the <laughs> air. It's the same thing with Samuel. Samuel's always kind of – but he's great with the ball. And then when he gets the ball in his hand, the bigger issue is who's tackling him. Who's going to get that lower body on the ground? Because he's thick in his lower body. So, I think to me, I, I, I think this has got to go – got you got to have a plan for when you trade for this guy. If you're giving up two number
3: ones, you're saying, okay – and who do you really want to give up two number ones for a slot receiver? Well, see, the Niners obviously with the Trey Lance deal a year ago, they don't have a first round pick this year. They their first pick's going to come 29th in the second round. So they got a long way to right. go. So you can understand why if Debo Samuel's really a chip for the Niners here to maybe hop into the first but
4: how round. How do they make their team better? Who's going to who's going to be the guy that they make better? When they don't have Samuel on the field, you know, he was the runner. He's the Lenny Moore of what they did. Right. And so they don't have him on the field. How are they going to do that? How are they going to make this really work out? I I don't see it. I think it's going to be a real issue for them. And I think it's going to be a problem. I mean, look, Kyle's a really good coach, and he'll overcome it. But to work in, you don't want to be too young as a team. You need experienced players. you got Kittle inside. you got Samuel inside. Now you can fudge with those guys on the outside a little bit. But – to me, I, I, look, I, they don't want to trade the guy. They t- clearly don't. But they also
3: know it's a problem. He don't want to be there. And, and that is because it, it works for the offense that they run. So they need a Debo Samuel, but he's going to be a disgruntled player on a deal that he doesn't like, and they don't have to do anything about it. By the way, they do have nine picks overall in this draft, but just none in the first round here. Very quickly the, – their, their bigger it, issue is how they're going to get rid of Jimmy. Because right. they can't move forward
4: without getting rid of Jimmy because nobody is going to – they, they Trey Lance can't be Trey Lance if Jimmy's still on the team.
3: So there's two quarterbacks right now. And we went over, and hopefully you get to listen and watch in the first hour. But, again, in, in summary, when we were looking at those first-round potential quarterbacks, none of them really look like first-round grades. So there are two guys out there right now, however you think about them, that's how you think about them, Jimmy Garoppolo and Baker Mayfield, right? Those are movable parts and chips right now for teams if they don't like this quarterback draft, Right, right. right. So – what's the value now for a GM to say, okay, because I don't like this crop of quarterback, but I need a quarterback, right? right? I don't know if like Houston is in play or Davis Mills is a the guy they're really going to go
4: oh. with, right? So, so, ba- so Baker, the problem with Baker is he's got 18 million guaranteed. Okay. So you got to pick that up. So there is, you know, they initially wanted a second round pick that that's nobody's paying that they're going to have to pay the freight on this. Mm. They're going to have to pay half a baker's salary. Garoppolo's issue is shoulder. He's got 24 million. None of it's guaranteed. Okay. So you take Garoppolo on, are you sure his shoulder is going to be healthy? Those are the two things. And then quarterbacks are like musical chairs, right? Who else could take one? You say Pittsburgh needs a quarterback. Well, they signed Trubisky as their placeholder, so I don't think that's the case. All right, so we know Trubisky, so Pittsburgh's out. A- Atlanta with Atlanta with signs Mariota. Mariota, right? So why do they want another placeholder? Plus, they have cap issues. Mm-hmm. They can't take Baker's $18 million on. They can't take that number on, so it becomes a real issue. Uh, Seattle, you know, Seattle's the interesting team. I don't see Seattle making a move for a quarterback. I think they'll try to trade down, but I think once this draft is over – And maybe a week from now, maybe Carolina says, "Okay, we'll take a shot on Garoppolo, you know, or we'll take a shot on this. You know, I I think they're in play. And and to me, if I'm Carolina, I'd rather have Mayfield, even though I don't love Mayfield. I'd rather have him than draft one of these quarterbacks.
3: And and therein lies the rub for some of these decisions that have to be made in these quarterbacks, because when you do have two pieces in Mayfield and Garoppolo and you look at the current crop, you go, I'm just not sold on that guy. Detroit is another interesting quarterback potential scenario. They've got Jared Goff. They're not married to him long-term, right? Yep. So they can they can kind of cut bait if they want to after this year for Dan Campbell and company. Might they be the team? Maybe not in the first round.
4: Are they, you know, they – look – John Dorsey, who drafted Baker, is on their staff. Right. So, you know, now does he have his will he be able to convince Brad Holmes who drafted Goff when he was in Los Angeles? Oh boy. So you've got two conflicting guys here. And then you got Campbell. I mean, look, everybody knows the problem with Baker is simply this. He can't throw drop back passes. He can't see. He struggles. He overthrows the ball. It's a problem. It's a it's it's a natural problem based on height. And Stefanski's done a wonderful job of scheming him two years ago to get him away from the pocket yeah. and make some throws. But when the game is on the line and we've got to throw drop back passes, he's been hard to have a hard time doing it. So for me, I, I think, you know, would Detroit do that? I think Detroit should draft one. Now, do they like one? I don't know. I don't know what they like. I know this. They went the, – the one place they went to, the guy probably having more say than anybody in this draft will be will be Spielman. And I think Spielman will be able to to kind of make the – and they were all out at Thibodeau's workout. Right. This whole notion that if they go Walker one, Detroit has to go Hutchinson because he's a local product. Like we, we live, the world's <laughs> flat. Like who cares if he's local? Like the games are sold out whether no, Michael, or not. Michael, that's the narrative, Street. That yeah, they, I mean, like on, who cares Minsky if he's gonna local? Play in Detroit. Take, take the best player. Don't t- I mean because he's local? That's the rationale. That's the ra- he's lo- we got to take the local guy. Got to. That's no a, other no, choice. That's a 1960 mentality. Like this isn't a regional draft. This is a national draft. people believe that. I, I, they actually do, and, and, and people buy it. Hook line it. Oh, he's got to take him. He's local. But like, read some of the mock write-ups. Detroit will be happy to take this local player here. Like no, the they have airplanes, private planes. <laughs> no, there's no
3: local. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Come on back, talking more NFL draft with Michael Lombardi right here on the Lombardi Line on VSN, the Sports Betting Network.
2: searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's radio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make
5: him an offer he can't refuse with family
3: We continue the Lombardi line. Dave Ross alongside Michael Lombardi here from South Point Casino in Las Vegas. And Michael, it's been fascinating talking NFL draft with you. Obviously, just about 24 hours away before we begin it in earnest right here in Las Vegas. And we talked about the wide receivers a little bit in the first hour that the over-unders, we've seen it drift up now here at MGM, to six and a half as the total uh, for number of receivers to be drafted. We feel like it's going to be a heavy influx of receivers in the first round. I guess my first question to you would be, who is the best of the bunch in your estimation? I know Ohio State's got a, a couple guys that you could choose from there. To you, is it Garrett Wilson? Is he the guy that you say clear-cut? And right now, he is the favorite on the board here, minus $1.75, to be the first receiver selected.
4: I do think he will be the first receiver selected. I think the Jamison Williams one, why we can't predict that is because none of us really know the medical. And it's one thing to sit there and watch social media and see Jamison Williams work out, right? right? We can all see that, and the agent's wonderful for doing that. but. What happens is he goes back to a recheck at Indianapolis, and the doctors examine him. And it isn't a question of whether he can be cleared to play eventually. The question becomes, will he be cleared to get a second contract? So if he has – like, for example, when Todd Gurley came out, everybody knew that he was going to be a good player. The problem with Gurley was you were never going to get yourself a second contract because his knee was going to become a degenerate knee. It was going to wear and tear down. Now the Rams ended up giving him a second contract. Everybody in the league was shocked by that, mm-hmm. but they did it anyway. And like the Rams were able to get away with it. But the reality of it is, is we don't know where Jamison Williams's knee is in terms of the arthritis. Will he have a second? It may be all true. It may be fine. It may be perfect. We've seen it happen before with players. I don't know. I mean, Frank Gore had two ACL surgeries before he even played an NFL game, and he played
3: how many years? Right. So we just, you just don't know. Well, and again, it is an inexact science because as a Cowboy fan, I remember Jalen Smith, and they go second round, and what a great story it was for Jerry. But, to bring J- in but he was a knee. guy
4: – everybody said he had a drop. Everybody said there was no way they were coming back from that. Everybody did, and the Cowboys took a chance – and, and it ended up being they were right. They, they got a kind year of, out of them. Right, yeah, they yeah. got a year out of them. But they wasted a high second round pick right. on a guy you got really one year out of. And you knew the knee was a problem. You going knew it in. was going to be. But and, and look, this is one of Balky's biggest downfalls in San Francisco. He was taking a lot of players because he was picking lower in the draft. Right. He was taking risk on injury guys, hoping that he was going. Will Redmond, you know, Mar- Marcus Lattimore. Mm. He was hoping that guys were going to recover from their injuries. We've all done it. We've all done it. We tricked a kid from Nebraska. Travis Hill in the seventh round when I was in Cleveland, the guy was supposed to be a good player coming off a knee. It ended up being what well, the knee wasn't the problem. We misevaluated the player, okay. right? So
3: you got to be careful in that situation. So when you look at Jamison here, if it wasn't for the injury that we all saw in the college football playoffs. Would he have been the, the consensus number one receiver to go off the board? I think he tilts the field in the sense that he can explode, explode and make a play.
4: I think you got to be really, really... I mean, the weight bothers you at 180 pounds. Right. He's light as can be. But, you know, he does tilt the field. I mean, Garrett Wilson does. Look, you know, I, I think this draft, Wilson, I think London is another guy that's been up and down the board. Some have been the first, some don't. You know, and then I love the kid Dotson at Penn State. I think he... You know, he had Sean Clifford throwing him the football, which, was you know, I don't know if it'd be hard to, you know, Sean Clifford, nice college player, all that. But it's hard to get him the ball the way he should. And Penn State receivers, the guy that's fascinating is Traylon Burks because Burks people think is a big receiver, but Burks might be more like Debo. He's really not an even though he runs fast, he's not an outside guy. His quickness isn't there. He's more of a. There was a player out of Texas A&M named Rod Bernstein who got drafted in the first round. Who was kind of a quasi. He was an F before they invented the F, right? You know, he was he was out the wrong era. Had he played today, he would have been an F. But he was more of an X. But he really couldn't win on the outside. So that that to me is what I see with Traylon
3: Burks. You know, it's also interesting. I've again, this is the time for it, right? Chris Olave's name, I've heard as high as potentially right. Washington at 11, and then some boards they got him in the second round. It's like, Michael, are you looking for that guy that can go get the football, might not have breakaway speed, or are you looking for that Amari Cooper now? Coop's got some other issues, right. but like, Coop was looking at as the best route runner. Of right. the draft. But
4: what I'm looking for is that Taquan Thompson from Baylor, who you get in the fourth, might be better than somebody you pick in the first. That's, That's what like. I'm worried about. That to me is, and Taquan Thompson, a baller. There's nobody faster. I mean, I watched that kid since he played as a freshman at 160 pounds, and he can fly Mm. and he can make plays. But he's pushed down the board. You know, is he going to be as good as somebody else? You know, is he the Rodney? Is he going to be the 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 you know the kid that you draft later, the Marquise Colston, right? Robbie Thompson, you know, the kid from Carolina. Is he going to be that guy? That doesn't get drafted. You know, what is he going to be? And I think that's the biggest, for me, receivers, that's the hardest part because you just don't know if some of these guys you pick later. Say you pick the kid from, you know, the kid from North Dakota State. Yeah. You know, like, is he going to be good enough? You know, could could he end up being a guy We're that. We're hearing first round grades potentially for him. Well, they you know, we could, you know, you know, uh, What's his name Watson? It could be Watson. I mean, right. you know but I think that the hardest part about receivers is you don't see them do things that they have to do in the
3: NFL. You don't see them get away from press coverage. Did you in ever, college? Did you ever think, though, as a guy that did this for a number of years at the highest level, that you would see the contracts? the way they've now been skewed for the receiver position. Because, you know, I do the show with Mike Pritchard, and is sitting here going, man, was I born a little bit too it was soon. All,
4: well, they're all saying that. I mean, Pritch ain't the only <laughs> one saying that no. you now. But,
3: but those guys are just command top dollar now in the NFL.
4: Well, they are because they can, you know, like Tyreek Hill tilts the field. In spite of what his pro football focus grades are, he tilts the field. And so, you know, I mean, it's hard. But what Tyree Kill does is you've got to have a guy yards after the catch, too. Like, I don't see Amari Cooper being a $20 million a year player. You don't see that. Some devalued. But look, when you get the ball in the end zone, or you can keep somebody from getting the ball in the end zone, you're going to get paid in this league. It's a skill sport, it's really become a skill sport. You know, and Walsh used to say all the time, I don't want to fix the receiver position until the rest of my team is really good. And I think he would still have that because I think Walsh would look at this draft board and find his Dwight Clark in the 10th round. I think he
3: would do that. Christian Watkins, by the way, is a kid we're talking about here that uh, potentially could go in that first round again. Right now you're seeing it, it was at six. It started off at five and a half of the number of receivers in the first round. Quickly went to six. Now you're seeing six and a halves out here in Las Vegas because it does feel like it's going to be I, a heavy... I think
4: I think this offensive line board is going to be the one that really is going to be the bottom of the first. I mm. think the penning – Across, across to me, I think he's going to go. It's you know he's going to go before seven because he's so athletic and he's so talented. But the Zion Williams, the Kenyon Green, you know everybody has Landerbaum going in the first round, the center from Iowa. I, I think he's more of a top of the second guy. But I think I think because what's happened at the offensive line is once you get past a certain level, once you get past Raymond you know, from, from Eastern Michigan, it, all of a sudden, it drops off. The kid from Tulsa, but that second round where you like to get offensive linemen, you know, because you get a four-year contract, you get an economic value, mm-hmm. th- there's not going to be a lot of them. These guys are going to get pushed up because then you're dropping down into, like, the third, and that's going to be the value.
3: You know, I I remember, and I say this all the time on different shows here, you know, when you had that Monday night game a, a few years ago in Mexico City between the Rams and the Chiefs, and I had people telling me, this is football. Like, this is now the feature of football, and I went, no, what's old will be new again. Right. And then you look at the two teams in the Super Bowl this year, and the Bengals and the Rams, they still want to establish the run. And they want to play physical football at the end of the day. So is it going to be linemen that we want to get and get back to football that physicality? Doesn't, right. Football
4: doesn't change. I mean, I'm writing, I've been writing this book now for forever. And 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 the game really doesn't change. It's like people say to you, you know, well, Dick Buckus couldn't play today. You, you, <laughs> Dick Buckus couldn't play today? Seriously? You have no idea what you're talking about. Right. Dick Buckus would dominate today. Dick Buckus would be a huge weapon no, on the no, field. No,
3: it's all evolution now. And the, the, the Dick those Buckus, guys couldn't play today. He couldn't play
4: game. because he's too big and he can't cover. Dick Buckus would, you know, he would be the Mike linebacker and he would be blitzing and nobody could block him. Mm-hmm. And he would make every single tackle. You know, I wrote in my think Buckus was, to me, when the play started, Buckus was a ballerina. When the play ended, he was a bulldozer. I mean, he was so athletic. And the game, the evolution of the game, the position value, 65, the year Gale Sayers came out and Buckus, when they both came out, the first two picks of the draft were fullbacks. Wow, Tucker Fredrickson and Ken Willard. That now that era is over. Wow, the fullback, the fullback era is over. That well, one's over. Will the we other one.
3: Another Mike We ever get a first round fullback pick?
4: No, no, that's uh, Dale Johnston. We that draft there were tw- there were 12 first. I mean, Namath went twelve in that draft. There were fourteen teams. There were fourteen teams in that draft, and six of them were running. Gale Sayers went after. T- you know, and when they interviewed Wellington Mara after the after the pick, he said we considered Buckus. But when you have an opportunity to get a blocking fullback like Frederickson, you can't turn that down. Now
3: that is a direct evolution of the game. That is the way the game is. That, that's the game mentality. today. That,
4: that's where it is, people. But, you know, back in the day, what fans don't remember is there were two running backs in the backfield. Jimmy Taylor's in the Hall of Fame because you were running fullbacks. Right. You were running halfbacks. We don't have that anymore. Once that one-back set, when Joe Gibbs evolved that into the league, now
3: that eliminated. And that's where that F position where Bernstein kind of got caught out of era. Shout out to my guy, uh, Ovi Mahaley. I'm sure he's thinking, bring back the fullback. It's probably not coming back in earnest like it did uh, back in the day. We'll get back to some NFL talk at the end of the show, Michael, because I do want to talk about the running back because it feels like there might not be one selected in the first round. That's how much the draft has changed as well. But when we come back, Lou Finnecaro is going to join us. We do have a good UFC card this weekend that we're going to d- uh, dive into and see if we can find some profit scenarios for you. Come on back. It's the Lombardi line right here on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. Experts have put together everything you need to bet on the draft tomorrow night. The VEASAN NFL Draft Best Betting Guide has mock drafts, analysis for every NFL team, odds and best bets for the very first round and beyond. Get the VEASAN NFL Draft Betting Guide today for only $10. Go to VEASAN.com slash draft. Alongside a man who's been in many a war room, he is Michael Lombardi. I'm Dave Ross. This is the Lombardi line right here on VEASAN. And very quickly, just want to point out, when you get that draft guide, remember, at about 5 p.m. tonight here across uh, Las Vegas, they're going to be pulling down a lot of these uh, draft prop scenarios because they have to by law. So don't get mad at the Did draft they, Vinny said he's, what, taking them down tonight? Correct. So they're going to come down tonight. So you got to get those wagers in early if you're going to wager on the NFL draft. Can you still get them online, though? You can, but in Vegas, in Nevada, I believe 5 o'clock local time, that's going to be it. And Got that's it. gonna be the cutoff. So you better get those wagers in before five PM. I can't wait. I can't wait
4: for Vinny to post his over unders. He's been holding back on that. Like I'll see him tomorrow. Are you in waiting person. On those? Well he's been he's been he's been like holding back on him like he's holding him like he can't he doesn't want to give them out like, like he actually thinks this draft is going to make a difference to his over-under totals.
3: <laughs> I can't wait for you to get on Vinny about that. Uh, it's always a pleasure each and every Wednesday to have our guy, Lou Finnecaro, join the program here to talk all things UFC and beyond. Follow him on Twitter as I do at Uh Lou, before we talk UFC, when you have Michael Lombardi in the house here, as we do here at South Point, do you have any NFL draft questions you'd like to, to ask Michael?
5: Uh, I hate to come off so ill-equipped when it comes to the draft. But honestly, gentlemen, uh, I'm stuck in my ways, perhaps. My NFL season begins the day after the NFL Mm. draft. and, And by that, I mean, rather than me try and project what's almost impossible for me to try and project, and that is what a team and how a team views itself in the draft I choose to wait until the day after the draft, look at the results, and that way the teams tell me how they looked at themselves.
4: You know, I, I think that's an interesting way to do it. I, I After the draft, I would always go back through the free agents of the teams that signed them and try to collate that by the money they gave each player. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, when you do the draft, you, it's hard to do 10,000 players. And so, and then if you spend most of May studying those free agents that they sign, when you get ready to play preseason, you kind of have a sense of all these guys that you might have missed. And the number of money, the money tells you the supply and demand. Who was after the guy? Who was it? When we signed David Andrews when I was in New England. You know, it was me, us, and Dallas trying to sign him at the same time. And we ended up paying a lot of money for him. Dallas was going to pay the same. It became the, so you kind of knew he was a coveted free agent. But I, I do think – but I want to ask you, Lou, so when you do that, are you
5: looking at the over-under props for win totals? Is that what you're waiting on? Not quite yet. I really won't begin to delve into that until July when I, I, I receive the Warren Sharp team-by-team team information. Uh, I, I have a theory on the totals for the NFL, and that is anyone willing to bet an under-season total win – uh, an under, I have no problem with them making that move anytime they want. But anyone making an over-season total wager that isn't making it the day before the season starts so that you understand who's been traded, who's been hurt in the preseason, how teams look, I think it's ludicrous. But I, I it's, think again, you're right just on that. the way I do it.
4: I, I think you're right. Well, But let me ask you this, and not to interrupt, mm-hmm. Dave, but no, do sure. they adjust that number for you when you're doing that, or does that pretty much stay the same?
5: No, if you take an under, you get the under. And an injury, for instance, Teddy Bridgewater in Minnesota five, six years ago, you can only be benefited by the injury or by some form of surprise Trade or anything else when you play the unders by taking a positive
3: or an over early. I think you're playing Russian roulette because you don't know what can happen. And it's a great point, gentlemen. Again, you just have to go back to to last year for the Patriots. Where you know this time last year, you're going in thinking it's going to be it's going to be Cam Newton, and you have no idea what's going to happen. And obviously, everything changed there with Bill's decision to go ahead and let him go from the team. Uh, literally right as we were getting ready to start off the regular season. So, Lou, I think that's very sage advice indeed. We do have to talk about the UFC. Shameless plug. I hope you listened to First Strike First Look yesterday. It's out there now. Lou and I had a fascinating conversation already. Uh, I, I got to get into
4: this. I got to start paying
3: more attention to
4: this. We're going to get you to I, Once i am done this book, once I'm done drilling this hole, I mean, this has taken me forever <laughs> to get done. But once I get it done – I can actually have a life again.
3: We'll get to convert it over to the UFC. It is fascinating. And, Lula, as we were discussing on First Strike First Look yesterday, Rob Font against Marlon Vera. This is a very intriguing potential five-round fight here in the main event coming up on Saturday night. And right now I'm seeing that Rob Font is a small favorite. But what's kind of interesting about a lot of these fights here, at least on the main card, they're pretty even, at least it looks like on paper here. What do you make of Font versus Vera? We have
5: some uh, tightly
3: lined fights, and
5: Michael and Dave. I appreciate you guys slipping a little UFC in in the middle of the draft week. Uh, this Font Vera fight is going to be great because they're both five eight. They both have dark hair. But that's kind of where the similarities end. Vera's a little more well-rounded. He has a ground attack, and he will want to tie up Font and drag him down. Font more the prototypical stand-up striker, uh, erect, a boxer, very good footwork, very good takedown defense. This is going to be a great fight, and most of the fights on the card are tightly lined, at least the fights, that feature fighters under 170 pounds.
3: We've seen, two, and we talked about it briefly yesterday on First Strike, First Look. Four and a half is what we're kind of seeing here market-wide in this potential five-round main event, i.e., I think a lot of the Vegas bookmakers believe that this fight's going to go the distance. Luke, could there be any value that maybe this thing's gets stopped before it goes four and a half rounds?
5: Uh, there sure could be. And I think as I bend my brain to try and understand how that could happen, to me that would be potentially a Vera sub or some form of Vera finish late. Uh, Font, I'm not going to say he tires, but he is more singularly dimensioned. And if Vera can get him down and get him out of his comfort zone and make him expend a bunch of energy in the early rounds getting up and to defending takedowns, There is that path for Vera. I would say, as I look at the fight, I do believe it goes to decision and picking one of the fighters, whichever one you choose via decision, will return you plus money.
3: So that might be an avenue to consider. Absolutely. And, gentlemen, I like to say, because now I'm getting a little bit longer in the tooth, that age is just a number. It feels like that is true for Andrei Orlovsky, the former UFC heavyweight champion. That was a couple decades ago. But yet here he is, north of 40, and he's still fighting some of these younger guys out there like a Jake Collier this weekend. And boy, oh boy, Andrei Orlovsky's the favorite in this fight, albeit a small favorite. Lou, can he keep turning back the hands of time?
5: Well, they're giving him a match where he's going to look as good as he possibly can. Collier, his opponent, used to fight at 85 some years ago, and he has gained plenty of girth. He still retains explosion and power for about three minutes. So Orlovsky's job is going to be to measure him, keep him at the end of his strikes, uh, keep him at distance in a smaller cage. For big men, that's tough. But if this fight can get into the second round, I think you'll see that Arlowski's skill is what shines and Collier's lack of conditioning will be present on his side.
3: You know, Lou, as I look down the card here and I see uh, we're going to get the Romanoff-Chase Sherman fight that got canceled a week ago, that's going to happen now. Last week, Romanoff was about minus 1,500. Now I'm seeing around 2,200. And now the comeback on Sherman is plus 1,100. I laugh because that is a dramatic difference here in a week that people just say there's just no chance for Chase Sherman. We know that there's always a chance. But, Lou, this number feels like it's gotten out of control. What do you make of it?
5: Yeah, I make that uh, they're probably playing parlays on top of last week's parlays USING ROMANOV, AS THEY PROBABLY SHOULD, I'M NOT A BIG PARLAY GUY. I WOULD SAY IN THIS FIGHT, SHERMAN'S BEEN IN AND OUT OF THE UFC A COUPLE OF TIMES. HE'S STILL A VERY DEVELOPING FIGHTER. HE TENDS TO GET KNOCKED OUT. ROMANOV HAS TREMENDOUS GROUND AND POUND. YOU WANT TO TAKE A FLYER. TAKE uh, SHERMAN VIA KO OR TKO AND GET, YOU KNOW, 40 TO ONE OR WHATEVER (laughs) THE OBTUSE NUMBER IS. BUT YOU'RE THROWING AN OUT AND up. Uh, on fourth down and 22, <laughs> so y- you don't have much chance of that. There are other fights, I think, that are going to give you some betting opportunity other than that fight.
3: Very quickly, got about a minute to go here. Will give me a fight on this card. Again, I look, and I see the Jockos against Meershard. We got uh, the damage. Darren Elkins back in there against Tristan Connolly. What other fight really stands out to you as a potential moneymaker? Uh,
5: Jared Gordon and uh, Dawson. Yep. Uh, that's 155 pound fight Dawson just switched gyms I don't know that's going to be if that's going to be the elixir he really needs uh, he had a world-class gym where he was and uh, blaming it on a gym or using the gym as a scapegoat I don't know is the right way to go Gordon's uh, trains in Florida tough New Yorker he's given away a little size and reach but he's gone through some real adversity in his life he's tough as he can be he enters with momentum, and I think he's a good underdog to take a look at. Thanks so much for having me on. Guys. Thanks, always. Lou.
3: Appreciate you. Great having Lou Finnecaro on again. And check out the Bout Business podcast each and every week that he posts. It is fantastic UFC information. Uh, Lou, appreciate the time as always. Michael, when we come back, we're going to talk more NFL draft as we wrap things up right here on the Lombardi Line on these and the Sports Betting Network. You think you know who's going to score the first basket? Well, take a fearless shot in the NBA playoffs with BetMGM. Just place a single first basket score, rather, prop bet on any NBA playoff game or create a parlay of multiple first basket score bets from different games. If your wager loses, you're going to receive your original stake back in free bets up to $25 with first basket score insurance from BetMGM. Now you can throw down that bold bet with confidence. Don't miss all the exciting NBA postseason action with the King of Sportsbooks featuring one-game parlays, live betting options, and daily boosted odds specials at some of the biggest showdowns in basketball. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issues and now withdrawable. free bets, oversight credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Nevada or New York. Wrapping things up here in the Lombardi line with Michael Lombardi. I am Dave Ross and we will discuss a little NBA because if I have you here, yeah. I think Philadelphia 76ers. And I think, oh, oh it's are, a pain. It's this. I, t-
4: I tweeted yesterday. There's a great Billy Joel song called "Summer Highland Falls." It's about a manic depressant, you know. And it's these are the best of times, but they're, the, you know, this is what we are. They're either you're either in sadness or euphoria, and that's that's ultimately what this is. And I I I I think to me, with fan Fleet being hurt, I think that helped Toronto. Wow. And well, Pascal Siakam, the last two games, he's combined for 60 points. It, it, and it it's wins. helped him. They can't guard him. And Bede's defense has not played to the level. They, you know, what Steve said, well, you got to trust the first three games. If you watch game three, Toronto should have won game three. Mm-hmm. And this series should be two. It should be 3-2 Toronto with a chance to close it out tonight in six, which is what I thought they would do. But I, I think this is going to be a real challenge for Philly. They've never played well in Toronto. No. They've and, never played well there. I mean, and so – you know, I am know why the line is what it is at one and a half because of what Steve's great numbers are on his research. But to me, you know, I, I don't see that as, as being a, a, you know, I don't see this as being something that you could handle. I mean, look, like tonight, Chicago, Milwaukee, that thing was open at 10, it's up to 12 and a half. I mean – like, to me, I think there's a point in the in this betting on the NBA, you almost want to say, I'm out. I'm not betting that. And Zach Levine's out now in COVID protocols. So. And everybody thinks it's going to be easy. I mean, and they might cover by 15. They might cover by 20. Milwaukee's going to win. We know that, right? We understand that. But I, I just think you get to a situation here where you, you're almost better off not playing
3: that number. You know, one of the games tonight, and it feels like it's going to be a closeout scenario here for Golden State tonight. Uh, they're laying about, what, eight and a half we're seen against Denver uh, back in, in Golden State. Look, Ben Simmons gets whatever Ben Simmons gets. And, I, and I'm totally on board with that for him not playing. And I think it's fair to be critical of a guy not playing. I look at Denver and I go, they're three, it's three one now. And Jamal Murray, I don't know if he's been cleared or what that situation is there too. But this Kawhi same, Leonard, it, like Kawhi,
4: these the people tell me Kawhi Leonard was cleared to play. They just didn't play. So I, I don't I understand mean, that. I, I don't get. I mean, this is it. this is the whole problem with the league is they have this issue with with whether and and what, players want longevity, so they're not going to risk playing the playoffs. Well, but they're not going to risk maybe hurting themselves further. You know, Embiid has now come out and said, "Well, he can't hurt his finger any more than he did," which is true. You know, you can't. He's I mean, playing through it. But, right, to me, give I, but a... this whole league is look. We've seen two leagues. We see the regular season, which is in ridiculously high prices to go see those games. None of the players play on a regular basis. You know, the leagues at a crossroads. You don't. You don't read about it. Like, let's – tomorrow night, Thursday night, you watching the NFL draft or you watching Joel Embiid fall on the ground? What are you going to do?
3: I know I'm watching the draft. Okay. And it's like I, – I, look, that's, that is the – I think it's a great point, though, because, again, and this isn't a get-off-our-lawn moment, but these are the playoffs, and guys are opting out of the playoffs. I mean, that, I was told by somebody in the Clipper organization that I said, when's Kawhi
4: coming back? No one knew. I mean, it's the same thing with Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons didn't want to come back because Ben Simmons right now, in fairness to Ben Simmons, and I, and this isn't – the pressure's too great for Ben. The, going to Brooklyn was the worst place for Ben to go to because he, there's expectations. He's going to like Sacramento. The, I said that all along. They should have shipped him to Sacramento and taken what they could have gotten for him because he needs to go to that environment. He wants to play where he can play in the regular season and not have to play because playoff basketball It's intense. It is, but it doesn't fit his game. I mean, the last time he played in playoff bat, TJ McConnell was playing point guard. They he was on the he wasn't playing. Then Jimmy Butler played point guard. Wow. Remember those days? Wow, TJ McConnell. But you're right. That's he played. He's TJ McConnell started the seventh, the sixth or seventh game of that series. Doesn't that feel like a million years ago? It does. But I'm telling you something, there should be a 30-for-30 30 30 documentary on how bad the 76ers have messed up. I was watching Mikhail Bridges last night for Phoenix. Oh, wow! How they have messed up a-, a golden opportunity in what they've done. I mean, literally, Josh Harris ought to be ashamed of his organization. From the time they were in position with these two players— to start it with the Fultz pick and go forward. And it isn't just oh, the Fultz pick. Watch Tatum's dominate.
3: Watch it. Just sure. watch all of it. Yeah, they, they have mismanaged this thing. And again, trust the process. The process right now, point and a half favorites tomorrow night to get it done in the six against Toronto. If they don't, it goes back to Philadelphia for game seven. My goodness, that will be pressure personified in that arena. And the home crowd will be nervous Because they'll be ready to come out with with the forks and and start really going at that that team. If they can't get this done after being up 3-0, it's never happened in the history of playoff basketball. Have you seen Doc's record in the playoffs? Have you seen seen this? The great Doc record. It's never happened. I mean, I've got it here. I mean, like never happened
4: before. I've got it here. Like it's just incredible. he's on a nine-game
3: losing streak in terms of closeout games? You, you would hope that they get it done tomorrow night in the 6th for that reason so that the pressure is But they don't play not, well up there, though. Don't. That's the
4: thing. They never play well up there. I mean, Toronto won the season series. They won it 3-1. to one. They dominated the season series. They When they won the two, they, they beat them with, with I think, Trent and Van Fleet were out one of those games. Yeah. So, you know, but Van Fleet being out eliminates that their defense wasn't as much a liability. And I think what Nurse said the other day is
3: we finally started hitting shots. They had open shots. Oh, yeah. I, Nick Nurse and like everybody's putting Nick Nurse to the Lakers. I think people are realizing what they had there. Toronto knows. They know what they have. They want a championship with the guy.
4: The guy's a good coach. And somebody was saying to me that, you know, well, he's such a good coach. Why did he bench Van Fleet? Well, I mean, Van Fleet has been one of his better players. It's hard to bench a great player. But this injury, when he walked off the court up in Toronto, look, the, the 76ers, they've they they they've been turning the ball over at a, at a rapid rate and they haven't been able to clean up the board. Those are the two areas going the game they had to do, and they couldn't do it. Yeah. So it's going to be a problem. The other game that's interesting is Dallas now tomorrow. Dallas has flipped. They went from the dog to the favorite. I loved, I've loved Dallas all year. I think Dallas is a really good team. And do I think they can compete for the title? No, but I think Jason Kidd's done a hell of a job.
3: Right, we're running out of show. I need like eight more hours, Michael. And I know you have so many other things to do. Three minutes to go here. I want to get back to the NFL draft because our yeah. producer, Stephen Bond, is, of course, the Bills' number one fan. And I, I like the the Bills, too. Now, 25 is where they're sitting. Right. They have a glaring need. That need feels like it's been running back, right? Right. But Well, they signed J.D. McKissick to fill that need, and they didn't get him. They didn't get him. So now, all of a sudden, twenty, because we're told – That there's not going to be a running back selected in the first round. Right now, you can get plus money here if you think a running back will go in the first round. Brees Hall feels like the one guy... Feels like a three-down back to me, Michael. Right. You know better than I. No, I think he is a three-down back. I think you know. Look, last year, remember Kevin Colbert, who I think is one of the best general managers
4: in football. He got so much crap from the analytical community for taking Najee Harris. You can't take a running back down there. Look, you got to take a good player, yeah. right? You got to take a good player. And if you're the Bills, you know the Bills are at a point in their in their in their team with their team is they can create a luxury pick for themselves. I mean, they could they could pick anybody. They don't. They could play a game tomorrow. Understand their corner. Situation, situation is a little bit of damaging because Tredarius White isn't healthy going to start the season but they for the most part they've done everything in the offseason to fix their team right they're there they got to count that Von Miller comes through for them. i mean they paid Von Miller oh like he's going to but so to me they're 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 situated there and if there's not a corner if they could get a running back you know they brought Duke Johnson in who kind of had some success mm-hmm. late last year but they need another runner, and, and if they could get that to me, it would make sense because they're not going to get him at the bottom of the second.
3: So so would that buck the trend there that we don't see a running back selected in the first round? Because it only feels like Hall would be the type guy that could I think when hole. you look at the board at the bottom from, you know, first of all, you don't want
4: a fifth year on the running back anyway, right? right. I mean, if Buffalo wants the back, they probably would be more than willing to trade down than pick him there uh, and to get an extra asset and get a fourth, get him in the fourth But to me, I I think ultimately, you know, if they get stuck, they got to turn a card in. And and Hall would be the perfect guy to turn the card in, too. Uh, All these scenarios, and everybody on TV for the day, including I just did it, so they all say, well, you can trade down. Trust me, when you're in that room and you're trying to trade down, and you, there's nobody trading with you. You got to make a pick. Like, like Bill Walsh say all the time, <laughs> we can't pass. We got to pick. No, wait. didn't Minnesota famously pass? They did. They got the. Well, that's because Red McCombs didn't want to pay that salary. He moved down a spot. That's still that happened, people. It happened. Well, Red McCombs didn't want to pay, so let let him go. We'll pay. We'll pay the eighth pick, not the seventh. I still can't believe that happened, uh, Michael. You could I, if you
3: knew Red McCombs. <laughs> Uh, this has been a ton of fun having you in studio. Uh, welcome to Vegas. Enjoy the NFL draft, my friend. Thanks, Great buddy. I here. appreciate it. Thanks, David. Appreciate Absolutely. Stephen Bond. Kevin, Stephen good Bond, to see everybody. So don't give up hope, Stephen. They're still going to get a good pick there at 25 for the Buffalo Bills. I uh, want to thank Michael, obviously. I want to thank Lou Finicaro and Steve Mackinnon for joining us on this edition of the Lombardi Line. We got you covered all afternoon and evening long right here in Beaston, the Sports Betting Network.
1: work.